It's time for your monthly dose of treatments targeting the immune system, glia, proteostasis, and autophagy. Like all good medicines, it has to have a long name. It's Abdullah. If you've heard my other episodes, you know I'm all for glia, the real heroes of the brain. They do everything, clean, protect, and provide. They are also important for processes like autophagy and proteostasis. So all these papers will be useful. So listen closely and enjoy this episode wherever you are. Maybe take a stroll outside and enjoy some fresh air at the same time. Welcome to Aminder, a podcast where we summarize the latest publications on Alzheimer's disease for you, so you can spend more time doing awesome research. For every month, you'll find a series of episodes by theme, and each comes with a bibliography. Whether you're in the lab, on the bus, or cooking your meal, we hope you find this podcast useful and accessible. Before we dive into the papers, I'd like to get us all onto the same boat with our understanding of neuroinflammation, especially if you're new to glial cells and neuroinflammation, which I find really shocking, as glial cells are amazing. But it does mean I can give you a brief overview, so I can't really complain. If you're a neuroinflammation expert, hats off to you, and you can skip the next 30 seconds if you want. Going over the basics, though, might be a nice refresher. Neuroinflammation is the process where immune cells in the brain become activated and start attacking everything, eating up parts of neurons, releasing inflammatory molecules, and reactive oxygen species, which make other cells think there is danger. This causes cells to act strangely. Neurons send unusual electrical impulses, astrocytes stop providing the right molecules, and microglia go on a rampage. The primary immune cell in the brain is microglia, which when activated, release many compounds. But the most important are tumor, necrosis, alpha, interleukin 1L beta and interleukin 6. They make up what I like to call the trial-blazing triad. The state of churning out inflammatory molecules eventually leads to the breakdown of the blood-brain barrier, allowing immune cells and other molecules into the brain, which worsens the brain that is already damaged. While autophagy is the process of self-eating, After that brief intro, we should all be sailing along on the same boat now. First, I'll begin with the glial papers. I've got to. They're just too interesting. Then proteostasis and autophagy. I just want to remind you that we only read the abstracts. So we only include research on papers on that topic as long as they are not from predatory journals. But that does mean We're not analysing the data or cherry-picking papers. That's so you can get a wider breadth of knowledge about the field and stay up to date with the most recent papers. The first paper is Alogliptin attenuates lipopolysaccharide-induced neuroinflammation in mice through the modulation of TLR4, MYD88 and NF-kappa-beta and MIRNA-155, 
signaling pathways. Alogliptin is a drug commonly used in treating type 2 diabetes. The first author is El Sahar, and the last author of this paper is Al Ahmed. This was published in the International Journal of Neuropsychopharmacology. The authors of this paper looked into the potential of the neuroprotective effects of alogliptin, which is a incretinine acting drug that inhibits dipeptide peptidase 4, which I'll call DPP4, which is a drug involved in uh, diabetes. They tested the drug in mice given lipopolysaccharide to determine the effects against neuroinflammation and cognitive impairment. The mice were treated with the drug for a period of two weeks, which started the day before the intracerebroventricular uh, injection of the lipopolysaccharide. The authors found that alogliptin treatment reduced cognitive impairment as well as increasing the toll-like four receptor, which did TRL4. It also increased the MYD88, which is myelodifferentiation primary response 88 protein expression and nuclear factor kappa beta, which is NFK beta. These are key genes involved in neuroinflammation. The treatment also rescued the decrease in cytokine signaling and in cyclic AMP content and phosphorylated CAMP. That means this drug is doing a lot. Overall, the authors propose that alogliptin the potential neuroprotective effects against neuroinflammatory insults. The second paper is CRISPR-Cas9-mediated cis-LT1R deletion, reverses synaptic failure, amyloidosis, and cognitive impairment in APP-PS1 mice. First author Chen and last author Hong, published in Aging. For this paper, the authors are building upon their previous results that showed that cystinyl leukotriene's receptor 1, which is cis-LTR1, agonists of this could improve amyloid-induced memory impairment. In this experiment, they measured the receptor levels in AD patients and APPPS1 mice, as well as testing the effects of the receptor deficit using a CRISPR-Cas9 knockout mouse line and a lentivirus-mediated uh, knockdown mouse line of the same gene. They, re they report that cis-LTR1 knockout and knockdown conserves synaptic structure and plasticity and also improves cognition in the mice. These effects were associated with reductions in amyloid processing, neuroinflammation, and the kinurin pathway, which is a, a very important pathway um, that can be modulated for neuroinflammation. Overall, the data shows that cis-LTR1 receptor deficit may have a beneficial effect towards AD. The third paper is melanocotin receptor activation alleviates amyloid pathology and glial reactivity in an Alzheimer's disease transgenic mouse model. The first authors are Lau and Tian, and the last authors are Ip. 
it is published in scientific reports. While melanocortin receptor activation has been shown to rescue hippocampus-dependent synaptic plasticity impairment in AD mice, the functional role of these receptors in AD is unknown. However, the authors treated APPPS1 mice with an injection of the receptor agonist DTYRMT2. This treatment reduced amyloid accumulation and reduced hippocampal inflammation and astrocyte activation. It does a lot. This compound does a lot. The authors found that the receptor activation reduced the A1 subtype of reactive astrocytes. Be careful here because there is a lot of evidence showing that there's more than just the A1 and A2 reactive astrocytes. So further research might have to be done to find out what exact subtype of astrocyte is reduced. The treatment also inhibited microglial activation and it was shown that microglia increased the association with the amyloid plaques. Finally, the authors report that the treatment restored homeostatic processes and microglial reactivity in the hippocampus of AD mice. Altogether, this could be a useful therapeutic in targeting melanocortin receptor activation. The fourth paper is evaluation of fluorinated chromalin derivatives as potential therapeutics for Alzheimer's disease. First author Shroop and last author Tansi published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. The authors of the study tested derivatives of the anti-inflammatory molecule chromalin on microglial cell toxicity and AB42 clearance. Naive BV2 cells were used and clones with the expression of CD33 were also used. The authors also performed PET imaging in a rhesus macaque. All but one compound showed low microglial cell toxicity. The authors report that some chromaline derivatives displayed increased amyloid beta-2 uptake. They also conducted PET imaging for the chromaline analogues and they determined that the differences in the brain tracer presentation was greatest for the tracer 4A. This tracer showed increased uptake in areas of high perfusion such as the putamen, grey matter, and cerebellum, and lower signals in areas of low perfusion, such as the chordate, the thalamus, and the white matter. Altogether, the authors suggest that fluorochromulin analogues may be able to reduce fibril-prone amyloid-42 in vivo. The fifth paper is mangiferin-inhibited neuroinflammation through regulating microglial polarization and suppressing NF-kappa-beta and the NLRP3 pathway. First author Li and last author is Tang. This was published in the Chinese Journal of Natural Medicines. The study focused on how mangiferin affects microglia. Mangiferin is found in mangoes. Pretty cool, right? And the authors used LPS, which is lipopolysaccharide-induced inflammation in the BV2 microglial cells. These cells were pre-treated with mangiferin 
followed then by the LPS. And the inflammatory responses were measured by quantifying nitric oxide and cytokine production. The authors report that mangiferin treatment inhibited the inflammatory response as indicated by reduced levels of nitric oxide and cytokines, such as the trailblazing triad IL-1 beta, IL-6 and TNF-alpha. Treatment also reduced INOS, which is an enzyme in the cell that produces nitric oxide, and COX-2, another protein involved in inflammatory responses. The authors found that mangiferin promoted anti-inflammatory processes and inhibited activation of NF-kappa-beta and NLRP3 inflammasome. This is important because these are key genes, especially the NLRP3 inflammasome, which is like a factory producing the IL-1 beta. Overall, the results suggest that mangiferin effects on the microglia inflammatory response involved a suppression of the NF-kappa-beta and NLRP3 signaling pathway and may have therapeutic value in neuroinflammatory diseases. The sixth paper is Arthemiasi-Iviomogi-Herber inhibits lipopolysaccharide-induced neuroinflammation by regulating NF-kappa-beta and MAPK signaling pathways. The first author is Chu, and the last author, O, published in Phytomedicine. This paper is looking into the effects of the really long, complicated molecule and its effect on microglia. The good thing is that complicated molecule is found in white wormwood, which has been shown to have anti-diabetic, anti-allergesic, and anti-inflammatory effects. Nature has its own medicine. For the in vitro experiments, the authors treated the BV2 microglial cells with that compound. They measured the pro-inflammatory mediators using various assays, such as Q- QTRPCR, Western blotting, and the grease reaction. For in vivo experiments, mice were given oral administration of the herbal treatment for 17 days. And then they were intraperitoneally injected, which means injected just below the abdomen, with LPS for f- 14 days. The researchers then collected the brains and measured microglial activation and NLRP3 expression in the cortex and the hippocampus using immunohistochemistry or Western blotting. The authors report the treatment reduced nitric oxide production and pro-inflammatory mediators induced by the LPS in the BV2 cells. They also found that treatment prevented the formation of the NLRP3 inflammasomes. Treatment in mice was similar in that treatment inhibited the microglial activation and the NLRP3 expression. Overall, the authors suggest that white wormwood inhibits neuroinflammation and may be used for treating neurological diseases. Paper 7 is a rare treat about oligodendrocytes. The paper is titled Retinoid X Receptor Activation Promotes Remyelination in a Very Old Triple 
transgenic mouse model of Alzheimer's disease. The authors of this study focus on the differences in the white matter, myelin, and oligodendrocyte markers in the brain. They treated 24-month-old, that's the really old for mice, um, triple transgenic AD mice with the retinoid X receptor agonist, bexarotene, and measured the expression of the oligodendrocyte lineage markers. Treatment elevated the expression of the oligodendrocyte progenitor cells and the intermediate oligodendrocyte progenitors. They showed this by looking at the markers OLIG2 and O4+. The authors also reported increased levels of mitotic, so dividing, and myelinating mature oligodendrocytes. Altogether, this paper shows that bexarotene treatment may promote remyelination, which may be the underlying mechanism for the therapeutic effect of this compound. However, as they did not show increased myelination through techniques such as electron microscopy, further work is still required to solidify the role of bexarotene. I just saw that I forgot to mention that the first author was Santos Gill and the last author was Sesedovold Hernandez. The journal was Neuroscience Letters. The eighth paper is identification of celecobics targeted proteins using label-free thermal proteome profiling on the rat hippocampus. First author, Golio Zadeh, Chaholi Goliozadeh, and last author, Tang, published in the Journal of Molecular Pharmacology. The authors of this paper determined the targets of celecobics, a common therapy for inflammatory diseases. Using a label-free thermal proteome profiling method. This technique works on the principle that heating proteins down makes them easier to identify because they become denatured. They first treated the rat hippocampus with multiple drug concentrations and temperatures. The authors then separated soluble proteins by ultracentrifugation and analyzed them with nano-liquid chromatography mass spectrometry to identify the drug-targeted proteins. It sounds like a complicated technique, but all it does is just measure the size of molecules. They found 44 that were uniquely detected in the drug-treated samples. RAB4A was one of these proteins, and has previously been shown to be one of Celecobix's off-targets in the rat CNS, rat central nervous system. The authors carried out a biomedical enrichment analysis on the detected proteins to find out what roles they actually played in the body. And they were shown to play a role in signaling pathways related to neurodegenerative diseases and cancer, so useful for our research. So look at the paper to see which genes have turned up. Overall, the authors provide evidence for off-target effects which suggest that celecobics may be repurposed for other diseases. That's all the papers and treatments targeting immune cells and clear. To give your brain a time to ponder their greatness, we'll have a small break. Hey listeners, I'm here to let you know A-Minder is recruiting. 
If you're interested in joining us, shoot us an email at aminderpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Had a nice break. Let's get into the papers on targeting proteostasis and autophagy. We have four papers. Paper 9 is electroacupuncture ameliorates beta amyloid pathology and cognitive impairment in Alzheimer's disease via a novel mechanism involving activation of TFEB, which is transcription factor EB. First author was Zhang and last author Song, published in Autophagy. I do hope your listeners aren't afraid of needles, because this next paper explores the efficiency of three-needle electroacupuncture in cognitive performance of the 5X FAD mice. Electroacupuncture is the new modern version of acupuncture. You just add some electricity between the needles. Maybe it works like electrical stimulation, but there is no definite proof that improves acupuncture. The authors found that this treatment method reduced amyloid beta precursor protein and C-terminal fragments of the protein and the amyloid beta load. Treatment also inhibited glial activation in the prefrontal cortex and the hippocampus of mice. The authors determined the transcription factor E beta was activated by the three-needle electroacupuncture method by inhibiting the ACT-MAP-K1 mTOR-C1 pathway. This led to the promotion of microautophagy and autophagy lysosomal pathways. Altogether, this type of therapy may hold promise for AD treatment. Paper 10 is a, is a paper on the go. Prebiotic lactulose ameliorates cognitive deficit in Alzheimer's disease in an Alzheimer's disease model through micro, microautophagy and chaperone-mediated autophagy pathways. The first author is Lee, and the last author is also Lee, published in the Journal of Agriculture and Food Chemistry. The authors of this study examined the prebiotics lactulose and melibose in a mouse primary hippocampal neurons under oligomeric amyloid 25-35 toxicity. They carried lactulose into in vivo experiments since it had a lower effective concentration. Mice were given lactulose and trehalose prior to an intrahippocampal CA1 injection of the amyloid 25 to 35. The treatment reduced short-term memory and learning retrieval impairments in the AD mice. The authors also report that treatment decreased neuroinflammation and increased autophagic pathway levels. Altogether, the findings suggest that lactulose's neuroprotective effects occur through anti-inflammation and anti-autophagy mechanisms. Paper 11 is titled Brain Metabolites. N-acetyl aspartate is a potent protein aggregation inhibitor. The first author is Wapam and the last author is Singh. This was published in Frontiers in Cellular Neuroscience. This paper is a short one regarding the brain metabolite N-acetyl aspartate. This metabolite has been reported as a biomarker for neurological disorders and its levels change in neurodegenerative diseases. 
the authors have shown it to be a protein stabilizer. Here, they tested it in modulating the aggregation propensity on two model proteins, carbonic anhydrase and catalase. These two enzymes are expressed throughout cells, and they are involved in protecting a cell from oxidative stress. The authors report that the metabolite inhibits protein aggregation and solubilizes preformed aggregates. This seems like a short but sweet paper. Be sure to check it out. Paper 12 is titled Arthomycinin Attenuated Oxidative Stress and Apoptosis by Inhibiting Autophagy in MPP Plus Treated SHSY5Y Cells. First authors Yan and last author Zhang, published in the Journal of Biological Research. The authors of this study explored the neuroprotective effects of the antioxidant artemisinin in SHSY5Y cells, given MPP+, which is an oxidative stress inducer. They measured cell viability with an MTT assay. MTT measures the activity of mitochondria. The authors also measured intracellular reactive oxygen species and superoxide dismutase SOD1 levels. Changes in the mitochondrial membrane potential, cell apoptosis, and autophagy were also quantified. The authors found that arthromycinin treatment increased cell viability as well as reduced oxidative stress damage and apoptosis in cells treated with MPP+. They also report that MPP plus treatment could induce autophagy through the modulation of Becklin 1, LC3 and P62, key genes in, the fo- in autophagy. Arthromycinin treatment was able to reverse these effects and decrease the levels of induced autophagy. Overall, these results suggest that antioxidant treatment may, ex- may have neuroprotective effects. That's it, folks. The end of the ne- an end of an episode. Hope you enjoyed it, and don't forget to check the bibliography, which is linked in the episode notes below. If any of the papers interested you, hopefully you've realised the beauty of microglia and can remember what white wormwood is. If you want to get involved in any area of podcast producing, from abstract summering to hosting to marketing then send over your CV to aminderpodcast at gmail.com. We are looking for individuals with a strong background in neuroscience who are enthusiastic and passionate about good psychom. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Don't be shy in giving any constructive feedback. We always want to improve so we can make this podcast useful and accessible. Before I end, I want to give a huge thanks to the A-Minder team, in particular Ellen Rowe and Jax Ferreira for sorting the papers, Michelle Groover who edited the episode, Anusha Kamesh for the great music and Satish Kumar for generating the accompanying bibliography, and for all you listeners who made it this far. Don't forget to stay tuned for next month's episode on treatments involving glial cells, immune cells, autophagy and proteostasis. You need your monthly medicine. And check out the other episodes. I'd highly recommend 
the episode on the role of immune cells in clear in Alzheimer's disease. I'm biased though. So in, in truth, you should check any episode that interests you.